said, we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. You don't got time that. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Derek Johnson, Nick Springer hey. is back. Hey! And in honor of the Mayo Bowl happening earlier, Nick has agreed to have a tub of mayo dumped on him. Is that correct? Did I hear you right um, pre-show? I don't think you heard me quite right, but <laughs> okay. I listen, I, you know, I'll, I dabble with a little mayo. Well, I'm, little I'm waiting for I, this video to come out. The mayo bowl ended, and uh, this is just wild. Um, the Maryland head coach, who was supposed to have mayo dunk, dumped on him, is wearing one of those big hats <laughs> to try to counteract it. Now the players are chanting at him to take the hat off. And, oh, the mayo has been dumped. It officially has been oh, dumped. Really? It looks absolutely <laughs> disgusting. <sighs> well, what would you rank in terms of if you had to have things from bowl games dumped on you, what would you – like, it has to be the bowl game What sponsor. would I want? What would you most want? What would you least want? I would most want either Cheez-Its or French fries. Yeah, the, the, I think the – yeah, the Cheez-Its the or French two. fries. Um, I think I would maybe take French fries over Cheez-Its. Is there what? Is there, like, a Gatorade bowl? That'd be fine because it's just uh, normal, you know. Well, there's the Gator, uh, there's the Gator Bowl, is there the Shower Bowl where you get put in a shower. <laughs> no, um, maybe they, oh, the Bad Boy Mowers Bowl. They drop a mower on you. <laughs> yeah, outside of like physical objects, where it's like, no, this would actually kind of hurt you. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, That's no, funny. I I would be down for I would be down for potatoes or Cheez Its. Yeah, honestly. but not mayo. I I would not want mayo dumped on me. I don't mind yeah, mayo. I don't on a think sandwich. I would want mayo dumped on. I don't me want either. it dumped on me. Well, remember we I mean, what if what he if he took you, the hat off, he thought he was done and then they dumped more on him. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Did the hat actually work? A little bit. I mean, it still okay. got on like his shoulders, but it didn't yeah. get on his head. Okay. Yeah. Uh so Man. You were at the Liberty Bowl. I was. I Unbelievable did not, game. I did not get the Liberty Bell dropped on me. Yeah, did not have a <laughs> did not have a uh, fun finish. But uh, no. I just want to hear from you. I want to hear your your stories, your your thoughts on the experience from <clears throat> the the pre side of the bowl game to the actual bowl game itself. I'm just going to kind of give you an open forum here. Right. Take me through your your whole story, your vacation, your your time off, and and being out. So in Memphis. Tuesday morning, left Lawrence around 8 a.m. and the roads were just there was KU fans on the roads, crazy. Yeah, I had a couple guys actually. Honking their horns at me, saying "Hey!" I said, "Hey back!" You know, it was great. There was a lot of KU fans, uh, a lot of KU fans on Tuesday on the drive down. Drive down was pretty good, uh, as it was documented before leading up to the game. There were some issues with the hotels and whatnot. My hotel that I was staying at, uh, which was like the Holiday Inn, they they didn't have running water as of like Monday night. But then by the time we got there on Tuesday, the running water was on, but they didn't have hot water, so <laughs> there was no hot water. But like our sink and our toilet and our shower worked, but you could take a hot shower. So that that was kind of a Debbie Downer, which I'm sure there were other KU fans who maybe had similar experiences. So Tuesday afternoon slash Tuesday evening, went down to Beale Street, which was really cool. Tried to get in line for BB Kings, which is where the Hawk Talk was that they had with with Brian Haney 
uh, and and Lance and some other stuff. But there was so many KU fans in line that we, we couldn't even get in. We couldn't even get in line. Uh, so we gave up on that and just ended up kind of walking around. So there was, I mean, the ratio of KU fans to Arkansas fans on Tuesday night on Bill Street was probably 50 to 1. I mean, I, I saw like four Arkansas fans the whole night. There <laughs> so was you, this, were, you were thinking headed into the game, like this is going to be 80% Kansas fans. Yes, yes. I mean, it was it was insane. There was nobody. There was not a single Arkansas fan to be found. Everybody you walked into, just nothing but crimson and blue. It was awesome. So it was Bill Street was great. Uh, somehow, uh, you may have seen this on Twitter, Derek. Somehow, I ended up finding my way into multiple reporters' pictures. There no, was like I reporters didn't see taking pictures of people on Bill Street, and I was in like three of them somehow. <laughs> I don't even know how that happened, but that was pretty cool. That's great. So that was exciting. And then, uh, so Silky O'Sullivan's, I think, is probably the most famous bar on Bill Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a they have a live goat pen in the bar. Okay, so you can Why? go like see goats. I guess that's Does that I don't make know. your bar I, experience I, I, I more enjoyable. You, but I did see a goat. There was a goat. I saw it. Does it like, smell? I laid eyes on it. Uh, I don't recall okay. if it smelled or not. <laughs> Uh, but that that was a pretty cool bar. Uh, there was Alfred's, which was like a barbecue place, which that one was packed. I didn't go in there. Uh, there was a couple other places that were pretty cool. Uh, actually, I I kind of expected Beale Street to be bigger than it was. I mean, it was like probably three or four blocks, I guess. But I guess in my mind, like Mass, for some reason, you, you expected it to be Mass Street on steroids. That's but kinda, it's probably yeah, smaller than Mass. It was smaller than Mass. I think it is smaller than Mass, which I I, I wasn't expecting that. I don't know why I thought it would be longer, but. Uh, it just it just really wasn't, but it was a lot of fun. Like I said, tons of KU fans had a great time. Uh, that was really cool. And woke up Wednesday morning. I was going to try to hit up the National Civil Rights Museum, but it just didn't work out. Uh, I ended up just getting some breakfast and just kind of taking it easy after Tuesday night. And then went to the game, went to a tailgate, met some met some, all, all the Arkansas fans at the tailgate that I encountered were very nice people. They were very nice. Uh, there was there was one man that was of particular interest that disclosed some information to me that I don't think I can actually <laughs> I don't think I can actually say on the air uh, regarding a certain product can, that I discussed with you often. Yeah, yeah. Wait, can I? I I know a way to censor this story in okay. a way. Just, well, it's not even. I don't even know. Is it? I mean, it. It. The thing is, it's like it may be. Did fake. you sign an NDA? I didn't sign anything, okay. but I, I don't know. Then I don't why? Know. I think you should tell this story. I don't want to get sued. You didn't sign an NDA. You didn't sign anything. This okay, guy so is just a, publicly a giving out this knowledge. Uh, an Arkansas fan. Plus, I also think this is a... I, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> just tell the story. Yeah. An Arkansas fan. I was with a couple of my friends. An Arkansas fan. We were... And we had a certain brand of beer mm-hmm. that we were drinking. And an Arkansas fan noticed the brand of beer that we were drinking and waved us over. And he produced three glass bottles of the same beer that we were drinking. And he said, hey, you like that beer? I work for this company that I that I don't want to name. Mm-hmm. This beer company. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and we have, I, ha- I have these special, not on the market yet, glass bottles that basically you don't need to refrigerate them or put them on ice or anything. The, the beer stays cold in the bottle regardless of the temperature, regardless of anything that you do to it. The beer stays the same temperature. So he was basically saying, well, okay. It was kind of funny, actually. So this is a southern, this is a southern, a southern gentleman, yeah. Arkansas guy. Uh-huh. Well, he kept, and he was an older guy. He kept saying the beer's never seen cold. He kept saying that. He kept saying the beer's never seen cold. It's never seen cold. And we didn't know what that meant. We had no idea what he it was like. What do you mean it's never seen cold? What does that even mean? Like it's never been in like yeah. a cold weather it environment. Never dressed up a snowman before. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. 
But then eventually, he, eventually, over the course of the explanation, it was explained to us that the no, the, this this gentleman who claimed that he worked for this beer company, the company has has developed a special type of glass bottle to which you do not need to have ice or refrigerate the bottle. It'll stay cold forever, basically, was what he was trying to tell us. So hypothetically, I, uh, my understanding is that you put you would you like you buy the beer. You put it yeah. in the fridge, and then, and then that's you don't the need only time you, you don't have, need yeah, that's yeah. the only time you have to cool it. So let's say you're going to the lake on a hot summer day. You could take it out of the fridge, not put it on ice, not put it in a cooler, not anything. Just take it out, take it with you on the lake, open it up, and it would be just as cold when you open it up on the lake as yeah. it would be when you took it out of the it's fridge. It's essentially they're making the bottles like a thermos, yes. if that is true. Uh, if, allegedly, uh, yeah. yes. So that was, what this, that was what this man was claiming. So any any but he was very adamant that it was not on the market yet. It was nobody was. It, 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 I don't know, I don't know. So then uh, you know, and you I don't I, we I don't even know if my it was a scam or not. Thought is that this is a scam, but also like the counter to that is but what does guy this guy gave, have to gain exactly, out of that? The guy who who's the real loser there? Because right. the guy he may get a laugh out of it, but he he gave away three beers. Like he just gave three free beers to some random people. And as you said, there I mean they were sealed beers. They were sealed. So there was Your no friends drank tampering. Them and Nobody got sick or anything. Like, yeah, exactly. It wasn't like they was trying to poison us or anything. So what but, could he have? Had? What if? What if it was he bottles his own beer and he just slaps like that beer logo onto it? But my friend just to consume no, 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 no. the beer and said it tasted the same because he's he's. This is what I'm saying. He's trying to figure out that company's recipe so that he can just brew it himself, and and okay. he's testing it on you guys. But if he's if he if he <laughs> is truly a know. higher up or an employee of said company, wouldn't he just be able to get access to the recipe at, by being an employee? Well, in my, in my hypothetical, there, he, no, he's not an employee from the, the oh, okay, for, okay, for that okay, company. Okay. I understand. I understand. Um, okay. But yeah, no, I have I have no idea what he would have to gain. It could just be like, <laughs> hey, he had three beers left in the cooler, and he was like, I'm going into the game now. I need to get rid of the beers. I'm sure. just going to spin a fun story just for my own laughs and sure. give these to you. But again, like. He doesn't have much to gain there, so that that is certainly interesting. Yeah. So. Now, if you would have been like, yeah, and after the game, we just like stuck on the toilet, or I just, I don't know, I felt horrible afterwards. Yeah. Then I would be a little more suspicious with what happened there. So, regard. So set that aside. We get into the stadium. Arkansas fans showed out, by the way. So it was not like it was on Tuesday night, which makes a lot of sense. Arkansas is a lot closer. Um, it was also you have to consider the fact that you know. This is Kay's first bowl game in 14 years. Arkansas is a bit more of a higher-profile program. They go to bowl games, right? So it's not like they need to – if you're an Arkansas fan, you probably aren't thinking, hey, let's make this a whole trip. You know what I mean? It's, hey, let's go to the bowl game. Uh, because I think Fayetteville is only like two or three hours from Memphis. So, I mean, it's a pretty short drive. Yeah, it could just be a day of thing. So, yeah. So, so yes, Tuesday night I was like, dude, this stadium's going to be 90% KU fans. But then uh, Arkansas showed out. They had pretty good tailgates. They, they were there. And I actually I, I enjoyed that because it made for a really really great atmosphere. Like KU fans would do their rock chalk chants, they would do their stuff right, and then Arkansas would do their stupid woo pig suey <laughs> BS that was so annoying. And but it was fun. It was fun. It made for a good environment. The game obviously was incredibly exciting. Uh, I do know there was a noticeable amount of KU fans who started for the exits when KU was down thirty eight to twenty in the in the fourth quarter. Uh, so. Sorry to those KU fans. Hopefully, I don't know. Maybe they tried to come back or whatever. Uh, but yeah, it was do obviously. You think, do you think there's anybody that crosses over who 
left the remember the KU West Virginia comeback where they went in overtime. Devontae yes. hits the shimmy shake three. And there were some people that? that left. There were some people that left that. Um they made a bigger deal than more people left than they actually did. But there were some people that left. Yeah. Do you I mean, think how, most, like, most people stayed, but it was noticeable. But I'm saying there do you think there's a crossover? Like, do you think there's a person or two who, who left, left both? Both, who left the bowl game and who left that, who is sitting there like, man, I I just I don't know. Either I need to leave games more, or I need to stop. I don't. I don't know which way you'd view that. True. Yeah, that is true. I don't know. Yeah. So the game itself was obviously very exciting. It was. It was really cool. the The only complaint I have was from the Liberty Bowl is they 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 just refused to show replays on the video board. Refused. So there were multiple situations during the game where there was just a lot of confusion. Nobody I think, could I understand think we should what just was do going that. on. No, no, I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm for that. I mean, no I'm, reviews on, for the fans, home fans. Like they, like Ar- like for instance, the fumble play mm-hmm. that maybe was not a fumble in the stadium. Nobody even reacted to it because they never, they, we, it wasn't a replay. There was not a replay, so it was like the play stood and everybody was like, okay, whatever, right? So there was multiple situations where it just didn't make any sense that they, they just didn't show replays. So that was my one complaint in the stadium. Other than that, everything was great uh, in the stadium. Uh, there was a lot of people there, which was really exciting. It was cool. And then if you were at the game, you know that the stadium itself is pretty far away from, like, downtown areas. It's probably, like, a 15-minute drive at least. So after the game, there was tons of people either walking or trying to get Ubers or trying to get whatever, and it was kind of chaos. And we ended up walking. Uh, I was with a few friends. We walked to an Applebee's and ended up just eating at Applebee's because we couldn't like getting an Uber was going to be very, very difficult and also expensive. And there were other KU fans that did the same thing that we did. There was different restaurants that were within walking distance, uh, which was which was nice, I guess. So that's what we did, and uh, we were pretty. I was pretty sad, pretty pretty sad, obviously. But uh, it was an exciting game, and had a lot of fun. And then, like, because of the loss, and okay, because of the nature of the loss, and also because the game took almost five hours. Like, by the time we were even in a situation where we were going to be able to get back to the downtown area to maybe go back out to explore some more, it was so late. Everyone was so exhausted. I actually, I literally just went to my hotel and went to bed. I didn't actually end up going back out Wednesday night because the game took five hours. And then I, then we had to wait and all the kinds of other stuff. And I mean, it was, it was crazy. So, but yeah, so then Tuesday night went to sleep or Wednesday night, I guess, went to sleep and then uh, came back, came back yesterday. And kind of the same deal, lots of KU fans. I The route that I took was kind of through the Arkansas Hill Country, which was interesting, to say the least. And uh, got back yesterday afternoon at a fairly reasonable time. That was pretty much the trip, honestly. What was your biggest takeaway, favorite part of the game itself? Or, I don't know, do, do you have like a scolding take or anything? Uh... Let's see, what did I write down? Oh, my biggest takeaway was that Lawrence Arnold and Luke Grimm are dudes. Dudes. Absolute dudes. That was awesome. They were so good. And again, just in the context of like the discussion surrounding the wide receiver room preseason leading up to the season, like those guys were phenomenal. And obviously no no Quentin Skinner either after taking that big hit. So those guys were awesome. I thought the O-line was fantastic in pass blocking. Obviously, it was pretty shocking that KU just couldn't run the ball at all. Like, I was not expecting that at all. 
But the the pass blocking for KU was awesome because I can't tell you how many times Jalen Daniels held the ball for five, six, seven seconds, and there wasn't very many holding calls against Kansas, and he only got sacked three times. So phenomenal performance from the offensive line. And obviously Jalen Daniels, of course, was great, uh, certainly. Even after, even after kind of his bad start, uh, he ended up being great. And there were a lot of moments in the game where you just saw what SEC athletes are like, right? Uh, there were multiple times where they just were bigger or faster than Kansas, or in some cases both. All right, we gotta we gotta switch gears here. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. There is a KU basketball game tomorrow. You can hear it here on KLWN. Pre-game eleven thirty, tip off one o'clock. Big twelve opener for Kansas basketball. They've won thirty-one straight conference openers, which will be the case tomorrow against the Cowboys. Also hear it on one oh five nine KISS. Uh previewing this game, Oklahoma State is like a top thirty team basically everywhere you look, the different metric sites like thirty, top thirty-five team. Um and last season, they were a top five defense in the country, but they were a non-top 150 offense, so very one-sided, but they did the defensive side of it like very well. This season, they're not quite as good defensively, but they're a lot better offensively, but they're still a very one-sided team. They are, uh, let's see, 17th right now, I believe, on Ken Palm in adjusted defensive efficiency. Um, let's see. Yeah, they, at the very moment, are where do they go? Here <laughs> that we go. Far down. Yeah, seventeenth on defense. They're seventy first on offense. So a team that can't really shoot the ball. They've struggled shooting from three. They've sh- struggled shooting from mid range. Um, four of their five worst two point shooting games this year have been losses, and all four of their worst effective field goal percentage games have been losses. Like Kansas should be able to stop them, and if you do, it should mean a positive result. They they have trouble scoring, but the defense is good enough to keep them around and and kind of allow them to hang in. But overall, I just it's it's tough for a team like that. Like the teams that scare me the most coming into Allen Fieldhouse, it wouldn't surprise you if KU loses in Stillwater. It happens all the time. Uh, but for the teams to, who come in and win in. The field house, you have to be able to hit big shots. Yes. And, have, and I don't have really to get see Oklahoma a, State as being that team. You have to have a great shooting game. Mm-hmm. And this, to me, it's I, I kind of view this similarly as the Missouri game. Like, here's an Oklahoma State team that plays pretty good defense, right, but they're not very good on offense. But, like, what's KU good at? KU's good at playing defense, especially at Allen Fieldhouse, right? So this, to me, says, okay, strength against strength, but we know KU's offense is significantly better. So they should definitely have the advantage in that area. So kind of a reverse of when we talk about the Missouri game, where it was like Missouri wanted to play the transition game, Kansas can play the transition game pretty well, and also their defense is way better than Missouri, so they dominated them. That, I think, is kind of the same discussion you could be having here against Oklahoma State. And we kind of touched on this a little bit, I think, in regards to Kansas. It's like, this is a team that they may not be like super elite at any one specific thing, but they can do a lot of stuff really, really, really well. Right, and mm-hmm. when you when the when that's the case, and you face a team like Oklahoma State, who kind of only does one thing really well, and you do that other thing like good enough to kind of match them, but you're way better in all the other areas, like that's a recipe for success for Kansas. And I think that I think that could be something that becomes a storyline for KU as they get closer to the tournament and and further into conference plays. Like this is a team that can do a lot of different stuff pretty well on any given game on any given day, any given game, and if they play a lot of teams that are maybe only really specifically elite at a few things, but Kansas is more well-rounded, that's going to benefit them certainly down the stretch. And I think I think this is a game where you might see that again where 
Oklahoma State is pretty good on defense, but Kansas can match them, and then the Kansas offense is able to push them over the top for a comfortable win, potentially. Yeah. The one thing that scares you the most is Musa Cisse being inside, and it's less so about his offense. He gets eight and a half points per game, and he's a seven-foot-one guy. KU is going to have their hands full there, but we've seen them do well in trapping the post, and again, he's not... You know, he's not Trace Jackson Davis offensively. It's his ability to rebound the basketball, and Oklahoma State has been a good offensive rebounding team. We know that can be a problem for Kansas, and also the fact that he is one of the best defensive bigs and two-point alterers in the country. He gets three blocks per game. He leads the Oklahoma State defense that is top 10 in the country in uh, two-point defense so far. He is such a force on the inside of their defense and like looking to, you know, last year you you got twenty nine total points, twenty seven total rebounds from David McCormick in his two games against Oklahoma State. You don't have a back to the basket score in this game to where you know last year you did have some struggles offensively at times against Oklahoma State. Like I think they they didn't score the last five and a half minutes of the game in Allen Fieldhouse, and then the game that was in Stillwater. Um, they didn't score the final nine and a half minutes of the first half. So, like, they did have some some offensive ruts in that game, but David McCormick had a big enough game that it didn't matter. Now, K.J. Adams is good in a lot of areas. He's not going to be a back-to-the-basket scorer no. over Musa Cisse. <laughs> no. So, you're going to have to find ways to score the basketball to where I kind of just view this as if KU shoots the ball well from both mid-range and three, they'll win going away. If not, this could be a tight game because it's going to be hard to have driving lanes and hit easy layups. Yeah, and when we've when seen Kansas kind of struggle offensively this season, what have they gone to? They've gone to basically Jalen Wilson driving to the basket, right? Which may not be effective. So I think that's a good point. Is like if they have problems scoring in other areas and what they've kind of leaned on in some games where they struggled is just Jalen Wilson drive to the basket and create something, that may not work in this game. Yeah. So they might have to rely more on maybe some set plays or something to try to get some open looks at least. When I asked Bill Self about it, we'll, we'll play that audio later on in the show, um, that same kind of thing, like not having that back-to-the-basket score against a good defender with, with Musa Cisse. And one of the things that he did mention in his answer was, you know, trying to pull the big man away from the basket. Yeah. So KU is going to try to do certain things to pull him away from the basket. I'll, I, I mean, KJ Adams is still going to play a majority of the center, but I, I wonder if that means – the first bench center could be a guy like Cam Martin. Try to pull him away, try to hit a three-point shot. But just in general, having K.J. Adams, you know, catching the ball at the high post and being able to dribble or being able to pass out, just if you can pull him away a little bit to open up those driving lanes for other players, that's going to be really important. The other big thing to just avoid that is get out in transition as yeah. much as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma State's had turnover issues so far this season. They have not been good holding on to the ball. And guess what Kansas has done really well? <laughs> Forced turnovers. Yeah. Yeah, because, again, with KU's bigs, sure, none of them have really developed into a back-to-the-basket guy so far this season, but what can they pretty much all do? They can run out and get, and they have the speed advantage in a lot of cases. K.J. Adams, Ernest Duday, even Zuby to a certain extent. Like, you're absolutely right. Transition could be significant for Kansas. Uh, are you worried at all about a Bryce Thompson revenge game? I am not worried, but I am curious to see what he does. He's averaging like 11 a game. He's second on the well, okay, team in scoring. Would Bryce Thompson be the sixth guy, the sixth man for this team? Okay, this is actually an interesting hypothetical. If he never transfers, he stays at Kansas. Yeah. So, first of all, let's talk about last season. What What is his role on last year's team? 
Because I, I remember having conversations heading into last season. So this would have been like the summer of 2021. Yeah. About like, man, what if Bryce Thompson takes the next step and he ends up starting for that team and they pull like Christian Brown out of the lineup. Now, as good as Christian Brown was, I think, and, and Bryce Thompson still was kind of inconsistent last year, like Christian would have actually, he would have been the starter over him. Yeah. But you know, what would have Bryce Thompson's role be, been on last year's team? Would he have been in the rotation? Would he have in, I, I know he's not a point guard, but would he have secured down those minutes when Remy Martin was injured to where even when Remy Martin was back, they would have just been like, nah, Bryce Thompson's our guy. I don't, I don't know. And yeah. then, yeah, you're right. On this year's team, what would his, his role be as well? Would you have even gone out and, and tried to get Kevin McCuller? Or would you have been like, no, that's Bryce Thompson's role on the wing? You know? Yeah. I don't know the been. answer to that. Yeah, that's true too. But I do think that, you know, if you said you could have Kevin McCuller or Bryce Thompson, you'd I'm very glad by having Kevin McCuller. Probably want Kevin McCuller. I like Bryce said. Thompson. Yeah. I hope he does well. But you know, I, Kevin McCuller is really good, man. Yep. And if you put Kevin McCuller on Bryce Thompson in this game, I think it's kind of an off night for for Bryce Thompson. Yeah. But that's just that's kind of a, a fun what if there. But yeah, I, I'm not overly worried. He is no. the type of guy though that. Oklahoma State, not a good shooting team. He is their one guy who can shoot it a little bit, 36% from three. If you can keep him from getting hot, like if he has 9, 10, 11, 12 points, it is what it is. Yeah. That's kind of his season average. Just don't let him have 20 points because if for them, you, if you turn one of their weaknesses into they actually did okay there and then their defense slows you down the half court, that's where the problem arises and it's a game closer than you might expect. But if Kansas can shoot the ball well, get out in transition enough, then they should be okay. We're going to have uh, more KU basketball talk later in the show. We'll have our uh, Rock Chalk Pickahawk as well. we got KU audio to get to. We're going to take a timeout here, and then when we come back, some of that KU audio, Grady Dick spoke with the media earlier today. We'll share that for you on the other side. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks, is going to join us at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Uh, this story just just popped across my timeline on Twitter, so I'm going to phrase it this way because the Chiefs play the Broncos on Sunday. Who do you think has more regret? The Broncos for trading and then signing Russell Wilson? Or this story, man regrets decision to get Messi's name tattooed across forehead. <laughs> well, why does he regret it? He just won the World Cup. <laughs> because he has somebody's name tattooed across his forehead. Who do you think has more yeah. regret? Probably the Broncos. I mean, at Well, least, I don't know, though. That's <clears throat> tough because the Broncos are like, we $250 okay, million, dollars, the Broncos but also they're going to make that money back. with Russell Wilson for the next, what, <laughs> seven years? Sure, whereas yeah. this man <laughs> is stuck with Messi for the rest of his life. Yes. So I guess if you look at it from the big picture perspective, probably that guy. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but also, I think the Broncos probably are feeling pretty regretful right now. Yes, they are. Well, uh, no Nathaniel Hackett for this matchup, which has to be a positive for the Broncos, right? Like, Well, maybe. I mean, sometimes teams have, like, boosts after their coach is fired. Like, it just gives them a boost in some way. But also, you could argue, and also Nathaniel Hackett was clearly not a good coach, uh, but also... I do think it's funny the guy taking over for them as head coach is the like time management guy that Nathaniel Hackett hired to help him out with game decisions. But what if what if Russell Wilson, as bad as it has been, what if 
at some point in time, Nathaniel Hackett was still like, he was preventing it from being even worse with Russell Wilson. Do you know what I mean? No, I know what you mean. Like, it's just full implosion. Yes. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, have the Broncos done anything that makes you think anything's going to happen other than they're just going to fold like a cheap lawn chair the last two games? No, probably not. Okay, so they're going to be four and thirteen. They're going to lose by a hundred the next mm-hmm. two games, and that's it, right? That's what I'm saying, though. Like, I, I, I think that's the expectation. It's just the unknown of maybe the coaching firing does lead to them having a, a fire lit under the butt yeah. the final two games. But yeah. yeah, I mean, coming off a, you give up fifty one points to Baker Mayfield and the Rams, yep. who haven't a been able to score on anybody. Team. A bad Rams team, and and that's kind of the thing because to this, I guess up until maybe a few weeks ago. As bad as Russell Wilson and the offense were, like they're they're thirty second in the NFL in points right now. They're twenty yep. fifth in total offense. Well, I, uh, remember last week we talked about this. They 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 have their lowest average points per game since nineteen seventy one, which is just remarkable. Nineteen seventy one, remarkable. They barely invented the forward pass in nineteen seventy one. Well, and like as as, as bad as it's been <laughs> offensively. The the one calling card was at least well, well the defense has been good and overall you look at the stats this year they're seventh in points allowed they're fifth in total defense those are still really good numbers but last time we had the Chiefs Broncos game which was what three weeks ago two weeks yeah. ago yeah they were like number one in those categories and now you look at their recent games you give up thirty four points to the Chiefs you give yep. fifty one points to the Rams yep um, some of it I'm sure correlates with they traded Bradley Chubb to Miami at the deadline. Um, I'm sure part of it too is just mentally, like the longer you go in a season and your offense is that bad, and yep. then the team ends up being that bad. Opposing just, offenses are going to figure you out. Yeah, and, and also just like mentally, you're going to yep. kind of get to a point where you're just like, I'm done. Like what? Yep. Yep. You know. Um, so I, I think all that, as much as the Broncos' defense has been good overall this season, because of how the last few weeks have gone, and because the Chiefs did show they can score on them last time they played, you have to feel feel confident headed into this game. Yes. The Broncos stink. They stink. And maybe you got the defense figured out against the Seahawks. Maybe. I mean, I think the Seahawks might stink too, though. But, Very uh, yeah, I mean, given the nature of the last game where the Chiefs were, it, it was they played two different games. There was the first half and there was the second half. Yeah. There was two separate games. And I would assume that Mahomes is not going to do what he did against the Broncos in the first half, the first time they played. And if that doesn't happen, I mean, do the Broncos even come back? Probably not. So yeah, you I kind of I, open I'm, the door for him. Yeah, I'm pretty confident that the Chiefs should be able to roll in this one. You're at home. It's your last game at Arrowhead. You're in a position where you can inch closer to maybe getting a one seed. Obviously, you'll have to see what happens with the Bengals and the and the Bills. But the Chiefs should be tuned up for this game. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be. They don't have any injuries coming into this game. Any any new injuries or anything like that. They're pretty healthy. They want to continue that, but yeah, I just I don't I don't see how the Broncos like. I get the whole like, before the coach boost. Oh, they might be a little bit better. No, to me, they're just going to roll over. That's what I think. I think they're just going to roll over. Very possible. Very very possible. Um, obviously, the game being close last time, like you said, you, you don't expect the three interceptions from Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I mean that. I mean, think about that. That game that Patrick Mahomes had against the Denver Broncos, that was. A once in a career game for him. He's never done that in any other game in his career. And you think that's going to happen again in two weeks? No. Probably not. Is there a player who has a big game on offense or is there a player and or that scares you most about the Denver defense? So you're talking about the, you're saying Denver. 
anybody on Denver? Are you saying for the Chiefs? Chiefs offense versus the Broncos defense. So on the Chiefs offense, mm-hmm. Kadarius Tony. It's, it's Kadarius Tony's time now. It has to be. He's like pretty healthy. I think he's like fully healthy. I think now actually. Yeah. So McCall Hardman still it's out. Time to shine. McCall Hardman still out. He's. It's time uh, to shine. I mean, that makes Kadarius Tony the jet sweep and receiver screen guy. Yep. You know, yep. without this, McCall this Hardman. This could also be just a Pacheco ground and pound game, though, especially if they get up big. But also, like, I mean. At what point do you go to Pacheco and say, hey, bud, you're a psychopath. You're crazy. We love that for you. But we're playing the Broncos. You don't need to go crazy. Or do we feed Ronald Jones to spare Pacheco? I mean, he's a rookie. I get it. But, like, for the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? Dude, by the way, Isaiah Pacheco and Jet McKinnon, that I, this is going to sound like hyperbole, and maybe it is, but I think that has been a top 10 running back duo in the NFL this season. And maybe that's not high enough. I could maybe get on board with that. Actually. Because so Jet has uh, six receiving touchdowns, which is the most receiving scored, touchdowns by any running back in the NFL. Every, he scored a touchdown every game in November. Yeah, or every uh, game in, in no December. every game in December. He has uh, it's the most receiving touchdowns by a Chiefs running back in this month since Jamal Charles. That's good. And then you have um, Isaiah Pacheco, who has over seven hundred rushing yards. So by the end of the season, he might only have 800, 900 rushing yards, which is going to look like oh, that's that's he fine. wasn't even the starter but, yeah, for the that's first the thing. Two months. Like when you look at, and I think over the last seven games, they're averaging uh, 130 rushing yards per game between those two players, and they're averaging five yards per carry. They've been a really, it, it, it's the sum of the parts that when you add them up, when you add McKinnon's receiving ability and draw ability and in yep. the open field with Isaiah Pacheco's running ability. Well, and you didn't even some mention, of the parts is really good. You didn't even mention arguably the best thing, the best aspect of Jerick McKinnon is his pass blocking. Yeah, I mean he's, he's a phenomenal. He's a phenomenal blocker as a running back in the backfield. Yeah, so I th- I think you're very very happy with uh, where those two yeah. guys are. Um, Which I guess uh, I guess that I mean does that mean Clyde is just gone? I don't know. Just- yeah, I'm really interested because I guess he was like kind of back at practice this week. I I hope it doesn't turn it. I, I think I said this a week or two ago. I hope that when he comes back, it's not hey let's just put him back into being the starter or into a starting type of role. And I don't think it'll be that way to begin no, with, but. No. I am I am a proponent of like not even being like, hey, Clyde should get five touches a game. No, it's working with Pacheco and McKinnon. Don't yes. don't mess with it. Right. Yeah, I agree. Uh I, I, I think that's a good pick with Kadarius Tony for the Chiefs offense because I think Maybe the, Sky Moore, but yeah, I like Tony better. Yeah. I uh what's his name? Patrick Sertan is a really, really good corner for Denver. So that could mean tough game for for maybe Juju to get open, but um that just means other receivers would step up, and and he's certainly somebody who who comes to mind there, especially after and Justin Watson out. couldn't catch last week. Yeah, that maybe was, more that time was for Kadarius Tony. Yeah. Uh, what about the other side of the ball? Chiefs defensive player I mean, that could stick out, or anything that that worries you about the Broncos' offense? I assume you have to go with Chris Jones. I mean, unless you want to take the McDuffie angle, but actually, something we haven't really discussed is the Chiefs secondary for how much we praise them for their young rookies kind of turning into really solid players. The, the secondary for the Chiefs does not force turnovers. They don't get interceptions. No, that's a good point. They really don't at all. McDuffie, I don't even. I think I don't even. I don't even think McDuffie has an interception yet this season. Yeah, I don't think he does. And which I don't, is weird I don't because think, I would view this rookie season as a success. Exactly. But, exactly. Yeah, you're like right. you're overall, you're happy with the secondary, but they don't force. They don't force interceptions. No, that's a good point. So that's maybe uh, again. I, I don't want to call that a flaw, but like. One of the qualities of a good secondary you want to have is that they force turnovers, yeah. which they haven't done that. 
Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I you would love to see that, and and I think going into but the that secondary kinda, that, more that kind of goes for the whole defense. Yeah, yeah, the defense has not done a great job for turnovers this season. I I'm interested to see who matches up on Jerry Judy. So Jerry Judy had the was it three touchdowns against the Chiefs in the previous game, and I don't know how they're going to match that up. We saw Lajarius Sneed, who normally is kind of like a slot corner nickelback, yep. like he's going to blitz. Um, we saw him basically just shadow DK Metcalf in last game. Is that a transition of what they're going to kind of do moving forward? Are we going to see him more on Jerry Judy ahead? I thought he did a pretty good job on DK Metcalf. He had like the one deep ball catch, but overall, when he was yep. there, like for sure go-to target, I thought they did a pretty good job on him. So that's kind of the matchup that, I, that I'm looking for in the game. Yeah. Over the last two weeks now, because this is the start uh, – of the last two weeks for the Chiefs, they have to win out to keep alive their chance of getting the one seed. Which game worries you? I, I know they're going to be heavily favored in both games. There's 12 and a half <laughs> point favorites in this one. I would imagine there's something like that against the Raiders in the finale. Yeah. Which game, though, worries you more that they could possibly stumble in? Well, with the Raiders benching Derek Carr, I don't really know. Yeah, it would have been that one for sure if Derek Carr was playing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think with, with Derek Carr playing, you'd probably lean Raiders. And I think even without Derek Carr, you probably still lean Raiders. They're the better team. They've got more talent overall on both sides of the ball. Plus, well, it's on the road. Defense. It's on the road. The Raiders are probably going to be turned up for it, I would think, because it's a rivalry game, mm-hmm. even though even though the Raiders suck. But <laughs> I think you still have to go with the Raiders. I don't know. I mean, again, I just – dude, like it's just – it's just so hard. Yeah, to like see. maybe their pass rush just causes a mayhem game, and the Chiefs yeah, only score twenty so, points. It's just so hard to see Devontae the Broncos. It's just so hard to see the Broncos doing anything. Yeah, it really is. Uh, so I don't know. I guess would you be taking the Chiefs minus twelve and a half? Yes. Well, yes. I don't think maybe. I would go quite there. That's a lot of points. Maybe, but it would be disappointing if they had another close game with the Broncos. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We will yeah, have, let's have a stress-free Sunday, yeah. shall we? Voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, joins us next after our uh, update on what's going on in the NCAA. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson here on your Friday edition, final edition of the 2022 calendar year. Joined now by the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, who uh, you could have heard on the call on the Liberty Bowl game. It was outstanding game. Um I, I, I guess we'll start there before we get into some KU basketball, which opens up Big 12 play tomorrow, which you can hear Brian on that as well. But, you know, even though Kansas comes up just a tad short, was that the craziest, one of the more fun football games that, that you've had a chance to call, or, or what else would you throw up there? Yeah, I'm not sure I've got one that tops that. I mean, when you talk about a race in a 25-point deficit in the last quarter and a half and all the things that had to happen perfectly for a comeback of, of that magnitude in that amount of time, there's nothing that, that I can put even close to that in my broadcast football career. So, um, yeah, I, I had a blast. David, I thought, was was money on a ton of his predictions down the stretch of keeping hope alive and, and thinking if this happens, then this could possibly happen as well. He was almost Tony Romo-like in some of his forecasting. And we just had a blast getting to see you know Jalen Daniels go from outhouse to penthouse in the same game to think that he would – 
surpassed Todd Reesing's school record of 498 yards versus Mizzou after what we'd seen through two and a half quarters. I mean, it, it was astounding the way he got up off the mat and, and got the ship righted. And for the defense that at times had yielded scoring at will by Arkansas in that second quarter to force four straight punts and then get the crazy fumble recovery that we probably got the benefit of a good call there. The fact that the original call on the field was fumble and they didn't have conclusive evidence to overturn it. But, uh, I mean, just the, the bizarre nature that, that Arkansas gets cute and decides to run a reverse when Kansas is out of timeouts and they, they just need a couple of straight-ahead runs. But based on what they were averaging per carry, they probably solved the game away. But for Kansas to be good enough to capitalize on that and to go down and get two touchdowns and an onside kick, here Coach Leipold talking about never having gotten an onside before on any of his teams to work, and it happens to work in that scenario. I mean, just think about that. I just rattled off six things, but there's probably two dozen more that had to happen in order to make all of that come together just in the nick of time. So obviously we're bummed that we didn't win it, but what an unbelievable effort to come back and make a game of it. And, you know, we know how good this Kansas team is. We know how far we've come. But without that comeback, I think a little bit of the national or regional narrative might have been, well, you know, Kansas is still just a middle-tier Big 12 team. And when you go up against the big boys of the SEC, you you saw the way they got owned in the trenches and pushed around. No, no, nobody's talking about that today. Because Kansas came back and pushed Arkansas to the brink and darn near stole it from them. And so I think just the way we look back on this game, this team, a lot of those things – uh, you know, it's a completely different narrative based on the way Jalen Daniels and company and the great KU defensive step up, you know, finished out this game. And so for all those reasons, I'm awfully proud. And we'll remember that loss uh, more so than many wins for the rest of our days as KU football fans because, wow, what a wild ride they treated us to down the stretch. Yeah, we've seen that sort of tenacity of KU and that relentlessness of, of this football team really throughout the season. I mean, you're talking about a number of games where they've trailed early in games, late in games, and have never really given up. I guess, would you say that that's one of the things that sort of maybe defined the season for KU is just their their fearlessness, their tenacity, their relentlessness, even in the face of, of great disadvantages in any game, really? Yeah, and, and that's what we were trying to say on the broadcast in, in the second and third quarters, that this club had climbed out of deficits before in Morgantown and Houston. Never 25, though. And as much as we tried to paint a positive picture of optimism and all that, when it's, when it's 25 down late in the third, you're thinking, holy smokes, how are we going to do this? But the resilience is there, and, and that's clearly the first ingredient when you're up against adversity and, and you try to, to have a fight to the finish. But the uncommon denominator that truly makes that happen is when you have a once-in-a-generational quarterback. And, and Jalen Daniels you know, showed us why he's so special with all the big plays he made. And I give his receiving core a ton of credit, too. And I know they were going up against an Arkansas defense that was a fraction of its normal self, but, man, Lou Graham, Lawrence Arnold, they all have career days in terms of statistics. Then when they're gassed because they've been on the field so much and you're down Quinton Skinner who left with an injury, KU puts Terry and million out there, and they both make huge plays. And so I, I just thought it was a, a perfect storm of, of seeing Jalen, you know, with the cream rise to the top and in terms of how elite and special he is, but also the myriad of playmakers, including the tight ends like Fairchild and Casey that had big plays as well. And Kai Thomas, you know, we heard this buzz brewing that 
he'd been having his best two weeks of practice in a Kansas uniform in the two weeks leading up to the bowl game, and he probably would get more opportunity as a result. But raise your hand if you had him scoring two touchdowns in the bowl game heading in. I know he was great in the uh, guaranteed rate bowl a year ago for Minnesota, but not many would have forecast he'd have one by air and one on the ground in terms of uh, TDs in this particular game. So just a, a lot of guys that stepped up, and I thought the defense, you know, to force the four straight punts prior to the takeaway, and then to have Marvin Grant, you know, have the big hit on on the, the trickeration play, and obviously Jacoby Bryant was right there to scoop it up. All these things, you know, deserve attaboys. And, and give Tabor Allen a ton of credit. I mean, I'm not sure I've called an onside kick recovery that I can remember. But in the game where we absolutely had to have it and everything else was falling into place, that did too. And that certainly made for one way out of a finish. Do you have a, a biggest takeaway from the game for the 2023 season and, and where that could springboard to and what kind of your expectations are for next year's team now? Well, I think that when Jalen has a performance like that, breaking all the Liberty Bowl records that he did and, and doing something statistically that no FBS quarterback had ever done in a bowl game with 500 yards and five passing TDs and one rushing TD, six total TDs, uh, even though it comes in defeat, I think the optics on that clearly catapult him into the preseason all big 12 and and you know you don't say preseason all america just yet but he's going to get a ton of magazine covers and he's going to get a lot of ink as a result and if that game would have kept playing out the way it did uh with, with some of the very un jd like struggles that we saw for two and a half quarters uh, while he's still you know preseason hyped guy you don't have nearly the buzz that you have now. And so that, that's, that's something that I think propels you forward. I think a lot of those uh, individuals that we just spotlighted that had huge plays in the comeback have, have a little extra bit of juice behind them heading into next season. But it's wild to think that we're 58 days away from spring football starting now, believe it or not. Um, I, I think we're you know less than that for baseball, but February 28th is when spring football is going to start. And you've got so much roster continuity on guys coming back. And when you think about all these stars coming back on both sides of the football, and then you think about some of the great contributions individually each of them made in the bowl game, there's real momentum. Uh, confidence-wise, collectively and individually, based on, on what they just accomplished and what they showed on that stage and then how many of those same guys will be right back in the mix for you next year. So I think they'll ride that wave of momentum you know, into what I think should be preseason top 25 consideration. And that's not hyperbole. That's not homerism. That's not the Kansas guy drinking the Kool-Aid. That, that's just looking at how much we have coming back and what this team looked like when they were healthy this season. So I'm not guaranteeing it, but I, I think if, if you're a preseason voter or you're you know, Phil Steele or the guys at Lindy's or Athlon or whatever, you have to look at how much is coming back for Kansas and, and the way they closed it out and how special their quarterback is. So to me, this is a preseason top 25 or 30 team, absolutely. and We'll see what that looks like come next summer. We're talking with the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. KU begins Big 12 play in basketball tomorrow against Oklahoma State. Pre-game at 11.30, tip-off at 1 o'clock. You can hear it here on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS. 
heading into this game, non-conference now pretty much in the books. I, I know there's still the Kentucky game out there, but that one just feels like an island all to itself when you just kind of separate the the schedule and the lay of the land but before conference play and, and into it. What is the biggest thing that you learned about this team in the non-conference, whether it was a surprise or just backing something up that you kind of thought about the team before the year? Wow. Okay. Biggest thing I learned, I, I, I guess that, you know, and we talked about this on previous RCST episodes, but we've got our best pair of defenders that we've had since Garrett and Doak, and they're obviously at different positions, but the Harris McCuller combo has been even better than what I thought it could be. I mean, Kevin leads the league and steals right now as we get set to start league play. And how about all the praise Bill Self threw Kevin's way today in the press conference? I'm sure you've played the clip or you will coming up talking about how he's really grown on him as one of the most complete guards he's had here. And he talked about rebounding and defense, his feel for the game, his ability to cover mistakes for others and all that. And then I went up to his office and we taped pregame for tomorrow, as we often do when it's an early game on Saturday. And he elaborated even further and said, you know, there are a lot of cases to be made for our, our starting lineup. You could say DeWan's the most underrated player in the country. You could say Jalen is, is an All-American that has National Player of the Year opportunities in the next few months. You could say K.J. Adams could be voted our most improved player. You could say Grady Dick is the best freshman in America. He's like, but I think when I think of Kevin McCullough, he might be our most complete guy. And, and man, what praise that is. you know. And, and obviously he's scoring the ball better now than, than what we saw during his tech career and early in his Kansas career. And defensively, he's just been so, so special. So, you know, to see the way 12 games in, in my mind, Grady Dick has exceeded expectation. Kevin McCuller now is exceeding expectation. You know, our freshman McDonald's All-Americans after Grady, like MJ and Ernest, still have a ways to go, and Zuby's still coming on. That's an untapped potential portion of this team that still has a lot of ground to be gained. But quite frankly, Jalen's been better than I thought he would have been. Grady's been better than I thought he would have been. KJ's been world better than I thought he would have been. And and now we're seeing the optimal version of what Kevin could be. So to me, the takeaway I have 12 games in is, yeah, every year we expect to be in the title consideration, Hunt and all that. But, I mean, this team legitimately really looks the part of a club that could run it back and win back-to-back NCAA championships. And we know that you got to catch breaks, you got to stay healthy, you got to have good matchups. I get all that. But, but the way they've rounded into form after losing two first-round NBA draft picks, you know, the best sixth man in the big dance, and the guy in the post position to hit the biggest shots in the final four, to be in this spot and feel this good about where they're at um, I guess I'm, I'm more bullish now than I was two months ago. And we all had dreams and visions of it two months ago, right? We always do. But I just listed off 80% of the starting lineup that's better than we thought they'd be. Um, I don't think many of us would have said that uh, in October, I guess, unless they had really low expectations. So, um, yeah, I, I guess uh, count me as, as one that is even more enthused and confident than we were in October. And, and hopefully that remains to be the case as we get deeper into the teeth of our schedule in a very, very challenging league. It's not going to you know, always look the way it did versus Indiana 
But that's still fresh in my mind. Uh, and, and I think that you know, if Kansas can play that type of ball in, in their matchups with Texas and Baylor and the elite teams of this league, then we absolutely you know, can be on that one line come Selection Sunday and be right there as, as a chance to possibly repeat. Well, Oklahoma State is the opponent. They had one of the best defenses in the country last year. They've got a top 20 defense so far this year. Musa Cisse inside certainly wrecks a lot of things that other offenses are trying to do. What sticks out to you the most about the matchup tomorrow with the Cowboys? Well, it's Musa because he leads the league in rebounds and blocks, and, and he's just doing so many things so well. He shoots it at 60%. I'm intrigued to see an improved Bryce Thompson. He's a guy that, that right now is you know scoring better, but similarly to what he did a year ago, I think he's shooting the ball a little bit better, and, and his three-point numbers are up in terms of makes and percentages, but uh want to see what that looks like because I don't think he ever even scratched the surface of his potential at Kansas and maybe the ceiling for him has been adjusted a little bit since transferring but uh, he's better I'm curious to see him I I think it's a very good defensive team that'll be one of the better defensive teams we face because of their length and and the athleticism of CSA on the back line and so how Kansas does with that nine block performance that Jackson Davis just had two games ago still fresh in our minds how we do scoring over the top of CSA. I thought you asked a very good question in the press conference today, Derek, when you talked about how good McCormick was in these matchups. And you don't really have that interior a proven big man score to score over the length of CSA like you would have with McCormick a year ago. So that was an astute question on your part. And be curious to see how Kansas attacks it. But those are the things that stand out to me. I think it's nuts crazy, astounding, jaw-dropping that we've won 31 consecutive Big 12 openers. That's not Big 12 home openers. That's not senior days at home. That's road and home. Many times going into hostile environments against top 25 teams or at least projected NCAA tournament teams and still finding a way to win 31 consecutive years. Okay, Nick Springer was like negative seven. His parents hadn't even <laughs> met yet. Derek, you were barely alive. Yeah. Well, no, you weren't alive. No. You were negative five, right? <laughs> Something like uh, that. I mean, I was I was eleven, I guess, the last time we didn't win a Big Twelve or Big Eight opener. But I mean, think about how hard that is, and then compound it by the fact that KU's always the hunted. You know what I mean? As as the club that is everybody's biggest draw in terms of home games and so if half of those are on the road you know that that that's the game that that everybody's gunning for you in and it's just amazing what they've done you know with 19 of those under bill self and, and 12 under coach williams i mean it's just incredible and i hope i haven't hyped it up too much and i'm going to jinx it now but if we do take care of business tomorrow it goes to 32 just pause and reflect on that and then the senior day streak is great too and the home opening streak is great but I've, I've come to learn that our home opening streak is is actually rivaled by some other schools the conference opening streak, though, I mean, that's that's rare air right there. So I, I'm really proud of that, and I hope we keep it going as, as long as we possibly can. Well, Brian, appreciate you hopping on the show here, taking some time, and uh, looking forward to hearing you on the call tomorrow. Before we let you go, word from Nate Miller. And I'm about to talk too long about the conference opener. We didn't even get to New Year's resolutions or anything. I was Do you have a New Year's resolution? Guys. 
I, I was going to learn something from you two. I was going to ask you guys what, what you're resolving to be. So I actually Derek hates New Year's resolution. No, I my New Year's resolution this year. I don't hate them. I just my New Year's resolution this year is to not have a New Year's resolution. Which that's just a total cop. Oh, uh, okay. That's just a total. <laughs> well, you cop can't you can't <laughs> fail if you never start. <laughs> <laughs> what about Springer? Uh man, I don't know. Probably I need to I need to cut back on the on the fast food a little bit. So probably try to <laughs> eat out a little bit less. I think. Oh my goodness. You you weigh 140 pounds soaking wet. You're cutting back on fast food. I it's more I for financial. Listen, it's more for financial purposes. I need to I need to save a little bit in the wallet. I think. Okay, okay, because because yeah, you, you're definitely not. You're like your body fat index is 1.5. I wouldn't worry about driving through Mickey D's, but uh, but yeah, no, those are good resolutions. I I think for me, uh, it's it's just prioritizing more time with family. I've got my parents both here in Lawrence, and and sometimes I burn the candle for both ends, and and I need to slow down and, and really uh, invest in the quality time with the quality people. So that's probably mine. But but that, and, and yes, uh, steering clear on some of the dietary stuff. But, yeah, uh, appreciate you guys. As we said last week, uh, these are always fun reports, and I'm grateful for them. So thank, thank you for having me on. And thanks to my buddy Nate Miller, uh, who sponsors these each and every week from the Miller Retirement Group. You can check him out at millerretirementgroup.com. Whether you already have a portfolio that you'd like to – to you know, bulk up and, and make even smarter financial decisions heading into 2023, or maybe you're starting up one for the first time, he'd love to sit down with you and analyze what you've got going and put together a great game plan. So check him out today at MillerRetirementGroup.com. Thanks, fellas. Happy New Year, and uh, let's go make it 32 in a row to open league play tomorrow. Thanks again, Brian. That was Voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney. Cue the disclaimer. Brian is a paid spokesperson, not a client. Brian does not endorse, and all individuals should make their own evaluation of the firm's investment advisory and insurance services. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. All right, thanks to Brian Haney for coming on the show. As always, this week on a Friday as opposed to Thursday, kind of a weird week, but uh, always enjoyed that as well. I feel like I'm a, I'm a Debbie Downer now that I don't have a, a yeah, New dude, Year's lame. resolution. That is lame. <laughs> Come up with something. <laughs> You got, right. you got the you got the break. I'll to think on it. I'll think on it. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Game picks next. Talk for game picks of the biggest games ahead from this weekend. Well, that sounds great. And you know what? It'll be nice having a little extra cash to bet on college football. Right here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Yeah, I'd like to bet a hundred bucks. You want to pick a team? No, just take it. All right, that time in a week for some more game picks here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And uh, if you're looking for a perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering, venue 1235, a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio located off I-70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence, has you covered. Okay, game picks for the year. You... uh, Went six and four last week on the football side of things. There we go. 77, 88, and five overall. 93, 104, and seven with your locks included. Into college football. Oh, oh overall, I am uh, 80, 86, and five, or 92, 107, and five. So with, with the locks. locks, I'm better. With locks, yes, you have been Let's better. Go. I've been terrible at locks. Uh, college football, we both went three and two last week. You were 38 and 53 overall. I am 39 and 52 overall. We have six games this week. It's the New Year's Six. Number six, Tennessee versus number seven, Clemson in the Orange Bowl tonight. The Tigers are giving up five and a half. I'm going to go with Tennessee here. I, I I mean, this is a game where 
neither team has their starting quarterback, right? And I don't know if there's any more other opt-outs. I haven't really been paying too much attention to it. But minus 5.5 for Clemson. Ten- Tennessee's offense is better, I think. Even without Hendon Hooker, I think they're better. So at the very least, even if Clemson wins the game, I think Tennessee's going to score enough to cover that. I'm taking Tennessee. I'm going Tennessee as well, and uh, I don't have as much of a X's and O's conversation to this. There, There's some key players opting out for both teams, and then, yeah, Hendon Hooker injured. Uh, but this is the Orange Bowl, correct? Yes. Both teams are, are orange. orange teams. Also, yes, true. But there is only one team that is going to be wearing their orange uniforms. That is Tennessee. Oh. Clemson's wearing white uniforms. Now, obviously, there will be orange on Clemson's white uniforms. But Tennessee's wearing the home orange or, I don't know, away orange, whatever it is. Whereas Clemson <laughs> gets the whites, so we're going with Tennessee. I like that. Number five, Alabama versus number nine, Kansas State in the Sugar Bowl. The Tide are giving up six and a half. Alabama all the way, not picking K-State. I hope K-State loses by a million. Alabama. I am going Kansas <laughs> State. I I do think that for Alabama, because they have like Bryce Young and Will Anderson playing, that's going to send a signal to the rest of the team, and they're going to care about the game. So I, I kind of think Alabama wins, but I think Kansas State keeps it close. I think they're a very competitive team. I think it ends up being a, a tight ball game, so I'm going to go K-State. Number three, TCU versus number two, Michigan in the Fiesta Bowl, the first playoff game. Yeah, I'm gonna go with TCU. I don't. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna go with TCU here. I I think I they've got to keep it close. Is basically what I'm banking on here. I don't think TCU is gonna win, but I mean, if it's a if it's a 24-17, 31-24 game, then we're home free on minus seven or plus seven and a half. So I'm gonna go with TCU, but I think it might be kind of kind of close. There's not been a game that I've gone more back and forth over over the course of the several weeks between when the season ended to when bowl season started for this game. TCU just seems like the team that plays close games. You know what I mean? Yeah. But also, yeah. I could very much see a game that TCU keeps it close for a while. They play respectable. But then Michigan, and then Michigan wears them down. Mm-hmm. Their run game. They just run and it And they down win their by throats. 17 points at the end because they get some late scores. Yep. So I'm going to go Michigan. For that, for that reason. Okay. Number, I don't feel great about it. Uh, number four, Ohio State versus number one, Georgia. I don't even know what this one is. The line? Uh, no, the which bowl game they're playing at for this. Oh, it's the, it's the Peach Bowl. Peach Bowl. Okay. Georgia's given up six and a half. I'm going to go Ohio State. I. This seems silly now because we just had that segment a couple weeks ago where we talked about how 90% of the semifinal games are blowouts, yeah. one of them at least. And, I'm and gonna, you're picking both to be picking close. Picking both, both games to be kind of close. So I don't know. I, I take Ohio State. I don't know that they win, but again, they have a good enough offense. I know Georgia's defense is good, but they've got a good enough offense that I think they can keep it close enough to where they cover six and a half. I'm trying to think the last team to win back-to-back titles in college football. It's cert- it, it, I don't think it's ever happened in the playoff era. No. Alabama ever it went? Must, I don't it know had if Bama, Bama won back-to-back, though. It had to have been Bama at some point. I don't think. know if they did. You might have to go back to, like, the USC teams. It's really hard to do. Ohio State has the receiver weapons to compete with Georgia on offense. Um, I'm going to go Ohio State, plus six and a half. Rose Bowl, number 16, Tulane, versus number 10, USC. Trojans are giving up two and a half. I'm going to go with USC here. I just, I mean, what's Tulane's best? What's the best opponent Tulane has played this season? Kansas State. They beat them. Kansas State ranked higher than USC. 
besides Kansas State? Uh, I mean, probably like UCF and Cincinnati at different points have been ranked out of the AAC. So I, I just, I just think USC's offense is too much. I'm taking USC. Yeah, th- this is one where I think both teams are going to score a lot of points. But um, by the I way, think- Alabama repeated in 2011 and 2012. Is okay, so that would have been the last one. Um, USC. Yeah, I, I I don't think Tulane's coming close to stopping Caleb Williams. USC's defense is not good, and I think they'll struggle with Tulane's offense. But it, I I don't know. I, like I if just this think is a shootout, you're picking you're taking USC. Caleb Williams, right? Yes, you're picking USC. So yeah, I'll go USC there as well. Number eleven, Penn State versus number eight, Utah. I, I'm sorry, I think I said the Tulane USC one was the Rose Bowl. That is the. I don't even know. I, I That's don't the know. Fiesta Bowl. Whatever. Right? No, but the Fiesta Bowl is TCU Michigan. Oh. So what is Tulane USC? The uh, Cotton Bowl. There we go. Ah, I'm always back to the BCS the days. Bowl. I always forget the Cotton Bowl and the Peach Bowl are now New Year's Six. Nonetheless, uh, that's yeah. the Cotton Bowl. The Rose Bowl <laughs> is number 11 Penn State versus number 8 Utah. The Utes are giving up two points. I'm going to go with Utah here. I don't feel super great about it, but every time I bet against Utah this season, they've won. So I'm going to go with the boys here. Take Utah. And, like, Penn State is... They're, they're Penn State. Like, they're good, but they're never great. Yeah. Give me give me Utah. I, I'm going to go Penn State, and it does scare me because that'd be back-to-back Rose Bowl losses for Utah, and that's extra motivation to win it this time around. And Penn State hasn't beaten anybody good. Like, Penn State has blown out all the terrible opponents. Their one, like, okay opponent was kind of a close win. And then the good opponents they played, they just got blown out. So I have no idea how good they are. I just think Penn State... I, I actually don't really have a reason why. I'm just picking Penn State. I don't know. <laughs> Lock of the week. You were 10-7 and seven in college. I'm just 6-11. and 11. What are you going with? Lock of the week is Iowa-Kentucky over 31. Whoa. That's a lot of points for 31. those teams. It's a lot of points for 31. Iowa. 31. It's Iowa. 31. It's Iowa. 31. <laughs> it's that low. you okay. got to go over. Over 31. So I'm going to take an over as well. My over is more than double. The Iowa-Kentucky over. <laughs> it is 62.5 over for USC-Tulane. I don't think Tulane's going to be able to stop Caleb Williams. I don't think USC's defense, which has been kind of bad outside of turnovers all year bad. long, yeah. is going to be able to stop Tulane. They've had a good offense, too. Give me the over 62.5. Okay. On to the NFL. On the season, you are 39-36-5. I am 41-34-5. We both went 3-2 and two last week. Carolina at Tampa Bay. The Buccaneers giving up three and a half in a battle for first in the NFC South. Yeah, I just don't want Tampa Bay to win, so I'm picking Carolina. I just want Carolina to okay. win, so I'm picking them. Betting with your heart, not your I'm head. With my heart here. Carolina. Vegas always says, go, that. says uh, that's a great idea. Go be great and beat Tom <laughs> Brady. Knock him out of the playoffs. Yeah, it does scare me a little that Vegas is giving Tampa minus the three and a half where they're covering that number, but I, I still think it's just – Betters are respecting too much. Hey, it's Tom Brady. Of course I'm going with him in a big moment. They just haven't been good, and they, they haven't figured no, they out suck. the situations. No, they suck. Carolina stomped them the first game. They did. I think Tampa could win this game, but I think if they do, it's by three or less. I'm taking Carolina. There New York go. Jets, minus two at Seattle. This is a big game for both teams in, in trying to make it in as the seven seed. Yeah. Obviously I, opposite, uh, opposite conferences, but... in. It's not who is even going to start for the Jets. Is it Mike White's back? Yeah, Mike White's back. Okay, that's what I thought. Mike White's back. Seattle is. I feel like Seattle's kind of in shambles. They've been trending downward pretty rapidly. I'm going to go with the Jets. Jets minus two. 
I really this is this is a, a matchup of cool quarterback stories with Geno Smith and, and Mike White. I am gonna go Seattle. Um, jet lag for the Jets, right? Going across the the country? No, this is so. This is the opposite of my theory. Oh, it's the opposite. You have yeah. to be going. My theory west is east. you have to be going west east. Okay. Well, I think it still applies because, like, like the, the theory the theory is that if this game were Seattle at the Jets and it was like a noon game, it would be a noon game for Eastern, but it would be nine a.m. Okay. for Seattle. So I'm going it's the Seattle. opposite. It's west to east. It's still long the jet lag. Jet lag applies. Minnesota at Green Bay. The Packers are. Uh, this is crazy. Minnesota has the second best record in the AF or the uh, NFC. Yep. Green Bay has a losing record, I think. Still, they're seven and eight, right? Uh, yes. Packers are favored by three and a half. So the Packers have to win to even have a chance to make the playoffs. Correct. And the game is not at noon, so that correct is concerning for the Vikings, for specifically Kurt Cousins fans. I've really flip flopped back and forth on this one. I don't know. I've, I think I'm going to go with Minnesota. I don't know if Minnesota will win, but Minnesota is another team similar to what we were just discussing earlier. Every single game they play is very close. So they could lose by three, and this would be a winning wager. So I'm going to go with Minnesota. Yeah. I am going to go Green Bay. This feels like a Vegas knows something line. I don't know. Minnesota's bound to lose well, a close no, game eventually, that, right? The thing that they're the 11 and 0 in one score games. The thing that Vegas knows is they have Aaron Rodgers. That's yeah. it. There's nothing else. Yeah. Huh? They might be getting hot. Just beat the Dolphins. Pittsburgh at Baltimore. The Ravens are giving up two and a half. I'm going to go with Baltimore here. I just don't see how Pittsburgh wins. Like, I understand the Baltimore doesn't have Lamar. They just ruled him out, actually, about a few, like, 30 minutes ago or whatever. So, Lamar's out again. But I just I just don't see how Pittsburgh wins. So, I'm picking Baltimore. I am going Pittsburgh. I think it's a, a defensive battle, and I don't but know. I feel just like weird they still things lose happen. that. Uh, I don't know. No idea. Uh, Buffalo, minus one at Cincinnati on Monday night. Picking with my heart again, Cincinnati. Lead a W for the Chiefs. Give me the Bengals. I am going to go Buffalo, but again, this is a coin. I, I really have no idea. Give me Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, it's minus one, so it's basically a pick em. Lock of the week. You are 6-8-2 and two in the NFL. I am 6-10. and 10. I'm going to go with Lions-Bears over 52.5. 52.5, by the way, is a pretty high number for the NFL. Really high, actually. But the Bears, off, the Bears defense stinks. And the Lions are like... They just gave up 37 to the Panthers. So they're kind of just all over the place. So I think 52 and a half over yeah, for the I, Lions and Bears. I think that's smart. Um, Indianapolis plus five and a half at the New York Giants. Nick Foles knows how to play in the NFC East. The Giants play close Wait, games. What does that even mean? This is going to be an ugly game. Hang on, timeout. What? What does that even mean? He knows how to play. He knows in how the to NFC play East. in the NFC East. What, what does that he even knows mean? How to play them? What is he the difference in the division playing in the forever. NFC East versus playing any other? He knows how to play division. in those stadiums and how the wind affects things and the fans and he's not bothered by it. What? He'll comfortable. He'll feel. Uh, he'll feel at home. I don't. I don't agree. With Indianapolis that. plus five and a half. All right, KU game bets real quick to wrap this up. Oklahoma State at number five, Kansas minus nine. This is a Ken Palm line. We haven't seen the actual line yet. Kansas. I'm going to Oklahoma State. I think it's kind of an ugly, gross Wait, defensive they have, they battle. They haven't released the line yet? No, this is wow. based on Ken Palm. Over under 137. E- over, but I'm not confident. I'm going to go slightly over. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That's game picks. We got Bill Self Audio next. Five o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We'll have another edition of Florida Man Mad Libs coming up in about 10, 15 minutes from right now. Uh, Just wrapping things up for the week with the Liberty Bowl, Kansas and Arkansas. 
without a doubt, a unbelievably <clears throat> great game. And, and I think looking back on it, once we look back on this season, especially if it leads to the success and the trajectory of the program under Lance Leipold that you kind of think it will, yep, it's going to be looked upon even better because yep. it'll be like, well, that was the, the season that started everything, and even though they lost, just an unbelievable game, unbelievable comeback yep. that did show a lot of that fight. Yeah, just a, a gutsy performance from Jalen Daniels and a really great effort from Kansas to rally and come back. And and that's kind of been, as we talked with Brian Haney earlier, that's kind of been one of the traits of this Kansas team all season long. Like, yes, they've had some games where they've struggled at times, but they've really been pretty relentless and never given up in their tenacity and then continue to fight, right? And you look at this schedule, they only had one game where they really just kind of got beat up the Texas game, right? Other than that, every game they rallied back. They were almost in every other game they played. So, I mean, you're, you're talking about a team that in the last five, six years or so, you might have seven or eight or nine games where you just get blown out. Only one game where you, where you really where you really went into it and was like, okay, this is done pretty early, right? I mean, yeah, you had games like the Baylor game, but they fought back in the Baylor game. Baylor game was one possession game in the fourth quarter. Oklahoma game was pretty close, even though I understand you never really maybe felt like Kansas was gonna was gonna make a big push. They kept it pretty close for the most part. They rallied back for big wins against West Virginia. Rallied back for big win against Houston. Uh, you know, a hard fought game against TCU that ended up being a, a college football playoff team, right? And you, and you look at that game, Kansas could have easily won that game against a team that's now in the playoff, right? So I think there's just so much positive to take away from this season and. To cap it off with a game like that, one of the craziest games, certainly of this bowl season and maybe of the entire college football season. I don't know. I mean, it's got to be pretty high up there in terms of just pure pandemonium and sanity. And, and we did our own research before the show. We think it was the it's going to be the high, the most highly attended bowl game that's not a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, with the, I think the official reported total was about 50, 52,900 people were there. So, you know, certainly Kansas fans showed out. It was close to Arkansas. Arkansas fans showed out, but... Yeah, what a, what an awesome experience! What a great a great game I think for Kansas, and I th- I think you're right. I think most people are going to remember this game more fondly, even mm-hmm. though it was a loss. Well, in like, the future, I I think I don't know. I sometimes I think about the results of of different sporting events based on like if you're a fan of that team, are you going to be cool rocking the gear of that specific event? So, for instance, if your team makes the I don't know, like Super Bowl, like the Chiefs Super Bowl when when they got blown out by the Buccaneers. <laughs> a lot of people feel weird about wearing like Super Bowl gear for that year. You think so? Because they got blown out. I don't have a problem with it. I I am one of the proponents of like, oh cool, now it's fifty percent off Super Bowl gear because people are selling it, right. But for some people, that's an issue. Yeah. I don't think that's an issue at all for this bowl game. I think people look at it and they go, hey, we made a Liberty Bowl. We made a bowl game this year. That's what this represents, and, and the game itself is really fun. Right now, yeah. sitting in this chair, I'm wearing my Liberty Bowl KU t-shirt, and I plan to wear it as many times as I want. I'm going <laughs> to be wearing it proudly every but time. That's what I'm saying. You wear it proudly. Oh, it's absolutely. not one of those things where, you, where you're wearing it and you're going, ah, but this happened, right? It's not at all. No, yeah. I, no, I, I, I get where you came from a little bit, and I 1,000% agree. I mean, I'm going to wear this thing as much as possible. I think a lot of KU fans feel the same way. I mean, it's just exciting, you know, and, and it's just exciting to, to look ahead. And, and again, even in a loss, like, if Kansas doesn't come back and they end up losing 38-20 to 20 or 45-20 to 20 or whatever, 
Yeah, you'd feel a little bit. You'd feel a lot worse. I think about so. It. I, I think, think most KU fans yeah. would still be fine repping the gear, though. Correct, but, because it's it's your first bowl game in 14 years. It's a representation of things. Like this is the closest thing. Like besides winning the game, this was like the next best outcome in terms of like mm-hmm. generating fan enthusiasm, yeah. generating hype, generating you know whatever this that or the other. Because like I woke up this morning and I was like, oh. Only eight months and three days till the home opener for KU. Let's go, baby! Come on. Yeah. So I mean, it's just it's just exciting. It's just exciting. Yeah, that's that's what it, it just. If they would have lost thirty-eight twenty, I think the biggest knock it would have had is your excitement level for the twenty twenty-three season would still be there, but it probably would take a few months for you to get around yeah. to the point yeah. where you're like, all right, I'm ready for football. Now I'm now like, you're dude, just immediately ready for let's it. Let's play another. Let's play yes. next week. Yes. Like, let's, let's let's just keep going. I think that's the biggest difference, which. Uh, I'm sure a lot of players feel that, and, and you would hope that that leads to, yeah, exactly. Good I mean, things on top in of spring, on top of everything we just talked about, you're looking at the possibility of bringing back 17, 18 mm-hmm. starters on both sides of the ball, which Exciting is outstanding. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, all those all those guys you would hope are going to draw upon the experience of playing in the bowl game and everything, and and learning from that, and and hopefully that is just another building block that leads you to, again, what uh, like we'll probably talk about this a lot more, but. Way too early thought is like this is a team that could maybe compete for the Big Twelve title next year, and that's like not even that crazy to no, say. No, it's really not because you say a six-win team that won all the or has all these players back. Like, why could they not win? They've nine got a generation. Guess what? They've, they've got a generational quarterback. Yeah. Kansas State just played for the Big Twelve title with with nine wins. So like, it's it's not that crazy to talk about. I don't think that'll be the expectation, but it's not a crazy stretch to get there. No, uh, we'll have plenty more time to talk KU football in, in next season in the coming shows and, and coming weeks and whatnot. We do have to get to a rock chalk pick a hawk before we get to Florida man Mad Libs. I'm on a roll. You are on a roll. You have won I think three or four straight. I think I won four straight. Yeah. Uh, you get a point for every point you score. You lose one for every shot they miss. Two points for assists and rebounds. Minus two for turnovers. Three points for steals and blocks. It is five to four now in the overall record. You won the last matchup, ninety-seven to seventy-two, led behind Kevin McCuller, who was the first overall pick. That was the first time, I think since I think the very first one we did, you took Grady Dick first overall. Okay. Every other one, I think Jalen's Jaylen. gone first until that one with Kevin McCuller, and it was the right pick. call. It was he ended pick. up having the most points. You also had KJ Adams with your. Uh, <coughs> Third yeah, pick. Yeah, Dewan only scored nine. Yeah, which is wild. Very low game for him. He had foul trouble, but KJ I mean, got thirty nine. I kind of, I kind of blew you out of the water, and I had two guys score zero, and I still just beat you. Yeah, easily. Yeah, how yeah. does that make you feel? You just Not get good. blown out. Not good. I feel like all our matchups have been blowouts. It's just one side <laughs> just dominates the other. Whoever it is. So I have the first pick this time. Snake draft once again. Okay. Um, I have a new rule that I would like to propose. Now that we're starting Big 12 play. Oh okay. This is uh, actually brought to us by Scott Chasen. So I, oh, okay. I I think it works out now that we get to Big 12 play. We Friend can, of the we show, can, yes. Scott Chasen. Yep. Uh, you can take a max of one player from the other team. You don't have to. Yes or no? That way you're not getting into the I weeds mean, too much of the other team, but you do know the, the top players for the other team. I, don't, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess. I don't hate it. You don't hate it? Well, because I mean, it is. I mean, normally we're taking Jankovic in the sixth with yes. the sixth pick anyway. So I would rather have like another good player on the board, <laughs> and I think it would add some more uniqueness to instead of just oh well, every draft it's Jalen Wilson and Kevin McCuller going one and two. Now you have a, a, a wild card in there. Okay, I'm fine with it. You cool with it? Yeah, uh, okay. we can at least yeah. try it and That's see how right. it goes. Okay. Right? Okay. 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 Yeah. So I have the first pick. So um, Oklahoma State Musa Cisse is going to put up points. I'm not going to go there, but I'm very tempted by it. Um, 
I will go with Kevin McCuller. I'm going to follow your lead there. Oh, boy. I think it's going to be tougher scoring for Jalen with Musa Cisse inside. So that's why I like McCuller a little more. I mean, I guess I'll t- I have to take Jalen. I'll take him. I'll yeah. take Jalen. Then you have another pick. I'll take. Uh, I'm going to take Grady Dick with my second pick because I feel like this could be a game maybe where he hits some threes. So I'm going to go with Grady Dick. With Cisse inside, they certainly could use the outside shooting. I will take Musa Cisse here. So I can't take any more Oklahoma, okay. State, Oklahoma State players. State center. Yes, he averages eight and a half points, eleven rebounds, which those are golds in pick a hawk. He also gets they three are. blocks. They are. So I'll take him. He doesn't miss a ton of shots, shooting 60% on the inside. Um, and then I'll go Dewan Harris. Uh, I think bounce back game from Dewan Harris. Just four points, four assists last game. He had the foul trouble. That's certainly a theme that's continued and is a little bit worrisome there, but I, I think he'll be back in control this game. All right, I'm going to go with KJ Adams. You figure he's going to be on the field or on the floor mm. quite a bit. He could be on the field. He'd be a good football player, I he think. He could be on the field. Yeah. He could be on the field. Uh, but... Uh, in this instance, he's going to be on the floor. Yes, he's yes. Take KJ Adams. They should play a basketball game on grass. Anyway, <laughs> no, no. Like really short grass, less, like Wimbledon. No, grass. we need less sporting events playing at not at the other. I think we need other more sports. I go stadiums. the other way. No, we need less. I don't want to watch a football game at Fenway. Just like I don't want to watch a baseball game at at Arrowhead or whatever. Ooh, that no, caught my interest. No, see, I need to. I need to stop because you're just going to keep getting more ideas. No, no. You have another pick. Uh. I'll go with Zuby Edgefer. I feel like maybe Ooh. he gets some rebounds. Wait, did I forget anybody? Hold on. Kevin Possibly. Harris, I mean, we have all Kevin the starters. Wilson. Okay, okay. No, I'll go with Zuby. Could have gone with an Oklahoma State guy, but... No, I'll go. I'm not taking Oklahoma We'll State. see. Zuby was the first big off the bench after the good Indiana game, but he didn't yeah. do anything against Harvard, and then he didn't yeah. play but he's, really after he's, that. Okay. The logic here is that he is probably KU's best rebounding big mm-hmm. right now. So if they have trouble with rebounding with against uh, Assise, they might bring him in. Yeah. That's okay, I'm going to go Bobby Pettiford. He's played well over these last couple games, and he's put up stats, which is a positive. And then let's go with MJ Rice. MJ Rice oh, breakout game, man. start a Big Twelve play. It's like a new season for KU, and I think you would have just taken him here. I was, I was going to take MJ Rice. Yes. That's so you have on the board. You have the other so have, KU bench big men. So I have Joe, Joe Yesifu, and Martin. You can also take an Oklahoma State. Player. Ernest Uday, Michael Jankovic, Michael Jankovic, Zach Clements. I think is everyone's be back. healthy. Yeah, yeah, everyone's healthy. Everyone's back except for Kyle Cuff. Or I could take somebody else from Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Avery Anderson, Bryce Thompson. I'm not taking anybody from Caleb Oklahoma Boone. State. I'm not. I'm not taking anybody from Oklahoma State. Okay, I'm not doing it. Not for the first round. Well, I mean, we'll see how it goes. But dude, I can't pick. I can't pick against the boys. But, but Bryce Thompson is is going to put up more points than like Michael Jankovic. All right, fine, fine. <laughs> Just saying. Give me Bryce Thompson. Trader. You, not Bryce Thompson. <laughs> I want that to come across clear. Uh, Bro, you picked. I'm you just picked kidding. I'm joking. With the third it was a pick. joke. It was the a joke. Third overall pick. It was pick. a joke. You have one. Uh, you know what? Bill Self was talking about how they need to stretch the floor, possibly to get a CSA away from the rim. Cam Martin. I like that one. I would have gone with that if you did not. Okay, I, I'll. So Joe Yasufu, who I feel like so uh, Joe Joe Ernest Uday, Ernest Uday, Zach Clemens, Clemens, Michael Jankovic, Jankovic. I feel like Yasufu has the highest floor of minutes, but I'm gonna go with Ernest Uday. Maybe some of the bigs get in foul trouble against Musa Cisse. We'll just go with Uday. I don't think that's a bad pick. All right, that is our Rock Truck Pickahawk teams. <coughs> Florida Man Mad Lib. I'm on a heater, four zero. By the way, normally do it on Wednesdays. But Nick wasn't here. We also didn't have a show because the KU game. So we're going to do it next. Florida Man Mad Libs. 
This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, joined by a third. That would be Sam Speck. Normally we do this on a Wednesday, but we didn't have a show. So Florida Man Lab, Mad Libs, a special Friday edition. That's right. Well, hopefully everybody oh. is able to get back in time. I mean, my goodness, you didn't take Southwest and you decided to drive, but thank goodness you were thank back. Thank goodness, yeah. Nick, you are back uh, after you oh, yeah. travels down well, to Well, I drove Memphis like 16 hours the last two days. Yeah, from, so we, from we've Memphis. had some things to do. We've been pre uh uh, obviously a little bit distracted. So let's get into it. Week four, boys, of season number two, final number one of 2022. So I've got a special surprise when we get into it. But at home, I do suggest you guys play along with us. It's Florida Man Lab li- Mad Libs. Let's get into it. First round, I think we did the same thing there, did we? I, I added yeah, you guys both like, Florida Man Mad Libs. <laughs> uh, first round, there is one redacted word. Here it is. Let's get to it. One point is available. Florida man uses blank to catch alligator in his driveway. So this is, this is the, this Florida is man the as you could get. Quintessential. Yeah, this is Florida, man, yep. Florida man as you could get. So uh, he either used his bare hands, <laughs> his nine iron, or a trash can to catch the alligator in his driveway. I don't know how he would use the nine iron. I guess to like steer like it along. It, yeah, or or you know just yeah. I mean the trash else. can seems like the most logical answer. I'm going trash can. Because, I mean, the headline doesn't specify the size of the alligator, so I guess he could use his bare hands. But just because of the absurdity of it, I'm going with nine iron. Nine iron. See, I'm going is. trash can. I envisioned he opened the trash yeah, I've can seen videos of and had him, like, yeah, scoot yeah. into it, and then he closed the door. Yeah. I don't know. It took it yeah. somewhere. I don't know where. Well, you guys, uh, are you locking in trash yes. can? Yes. Derek, lock it in trash can. Nine iron. Nick, lock it in with the nine iron. You both kind of were right. This guy uh, did kind of caress or like I guess push with this item to get the alligator off his property but it was a trash can so Derek coming uh, away with the first point there it's too obvious which, um, he didn't necessarily like trap the alligator yeah no I've seen videos of it can. I've seen yeah, actually yeah. videos of that where they they you know kind of push kinda it along push them into a trash can and get it out of there wheel yeah, it out so. of there all right, with that, we've now got a one-point advantage for this week. Not only this week, but for the season. These uh, gentlemen seemingly do not want to separate yeah, themselves in yeah. this season. Not anymore. Uh, I just so, got a point. Yeah, okay, t- tough guy. 12 to 11 after that Okay, tough point. guy. Hey, so who here? won the first round? The, the, oh, the, the very first, first season. That's the right. first uh, right. stretch, yeah. That's I don't right. know. There's a plaque on the wall right there. Mm-hmm. It's got a big DJ on it. Derek Johnson. That's right. So let's get to this one. This one is the special one. So if you are longtime Florida Man Mad Libs fans or longtime Rock Chalk Sports Talk fans and you just so happen to be listening at the time that we had this, I went back into the archives and I found one of my, I don't know if it's one of my favorites, but looking back into it certainly made me chuckle the most. So I changed a couple of words around. So this is the only one that I have brought back from the archives. But again, considering we're about to say so long to 2022, Let's figure one of my favorites from this last year. So, again, round number two means two redacted words, three potential points, and here it is. Blank makes the best of her two blank holes. And I think you guys... <laughs> I remember the yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember, remember, this. I don't remember so, the. No. I don't remember the answers, but so I got to find exa- out. I changed them up a little bit I remember here. The <laughs> so, blank, and then it's tally. So, the newbie, head coach, or freshman tally, makes best of her two blank holes. 
It's starting Wait, to ring a bell again? now. So, again, the first the redacted options? word is blank, and then the last name Tally is what follows. But, again, she makes the best of her two blank holes. That is the second redacted word we'll get to in a minute. But it is either the newbie Tally, head coach Tally, or freshman Tally makes the best of her two blank holes. I'm pretty sure it was freshman. freshman. Yeah, it was like a freshman golfer. I'm going to go with freshman. I'm pretty freshman. sure is what, okay. what this one was. I'm going to go with freshman. So, ooh, I, I do know. think it's a golfer. I'm pretty I, sure that's I what it was. Right. I remember right. Yeah. Well, both of you boys are correct there. So I like this type of memory rebuild here. That You guys are going back into the archives. You haven't forgotten <clears> these. So it was the freshman here, but let's see. How did she describe the best of her two struggling holes, which, of course, uh, yes, it was the golf course, so uh, that's what I'm referencing to. Were they rough? Were they cutting edge? Or were they soggy? I want to say I remembered it being like a rainy golf course thing. I think it was, so soggy. I think it was soggy. I think it was. I think it was soggy too. I don't think it was rough. I would have remembered rough. I think. <laughs> you guys are beating the house this week. I'm ho- telling you. Well, I mean, not what we already had. It was I just know, trying to remember it. I tried. I tried to fool you guys. Yeah. Maybe for for the listeners out there, but uh, <laughs> both you guys walking away with a nice three job there. So I'll tell there you what. Here we go. That is what it was. It was the freshman tally makes the best for two soggy holes. Uh, it just again. <laughs> I, I see. I get out that of one. it. Yeah, exactly. That's a good you one. get that's the best one. giggle out of it. So no, that's, that's one of my one of my favorites from 2022. I tried to stump you, but I could not. I could not. So let's uh, take a peek at this now. Again, second round means two redacted words, three potential points, and these two are brand new. So let's get to this one here. A Florida man joyriding in a blank caused neighbors blank before Super Bowl. So (laughs) let's get to the first redacted word. A Florida man joyriding in a tow truck, a tour bus, or an excavator. (laughs) was the likely cause of a neighborhood blank before Super Bowl. So. Oh, man. This is this is interesting because I, I don't really have a read on this. I feel like it could be any of those. Yeah, it really it, could. It, I mean, what was the first the, one again? Uh, tow truck, okay. tour bus, or excavator. So yeah. you, you kind of step up the levels of intensity here. I, the However, thing is, you I don't do know, I don't know where he would necessarily, where this guy would necessarily get his hands on a tour bus. Yeah, that's so the one I'm that I'm, I'm away from that one. Is, yeah, I think is, it's yeah. either excavator or tow truck. Which both are pretty good options. Uh, the thing is, is like maybe this tour bus because like, can you really joyride in an excavator? Like it, it's so <laughs> slow. That's what I think it is. I'm going to an excavator. You think I, so? I don't. When, who's gonna joyride in a tow truck? Well, you know what, what I mean. That's why I'm leaning now. Now, now I'm, I'm thinking there might be actually it, tour bus. He's like, it could, but like I just an excavator is not something that you're like driving on the roads. You're yeah, doing you like can't, maybe he's can't, doing like donuts like, or something. I don't know. You're barely. An excavator goes like two miles an hour. Then you I don't hit think a it's, post or something. I'm actually, I've, t- I've actually done a, a 180 here. I've, I've, I've convinced myself into thinking it's tour bus because of the term okay. joyriding. I'm gonna go with tour bus. All right, so Nick's locking in with the tour bus. Derek, are you sticking with excavator or again tow truck? It could be a guy mad from his work or. I mean, who no, I'm, I'm sticking with or, excavator. All right, he's sticking with excavator there. So we'll keep that uh, redacted until we get to the second word here. But a Florida man joyriding either a excavator, tow truck, or tour, bu- tour bus was likely the cause of a neighborhood fire, power outage, or complaints before the Super Bowl. So it could see it's just mm. simply be neighborhood complaints. Maybe there was a fire that happened, a power you, outage, what happened. But uh, again, either a man joyriding in an excavator, tow truck, or tour bus was the likely cause of the neighborhood fire, neighborhood complaints, or neighborhood power outage. So my, my immediate thought when I heard this headline was that it was going to be a power outage. 
But the fact that, like, I complaints is a very different fill in than the other ones. Like, it's it's like almost conceptual. You know what I mean? Okay. Vague, sure. and it could be, you know, whatever. I mean, sure. Maybe he was just being very, very loud. <laughs> Riding around. Making you think here on this. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's either that or the power outage. Um, I'm I, don't, I know complaints. what I'm going with. I'm going, going with complaints. complaints. Yeah. Derek's going to go with complaints. I think it's power outage, and here's why I think it's power outage. Why would this be a headline for the Super Bowl? If the power goes out, people can't watch the Super Bowl. Oh, so it's a big like deal. That. Right? Up in I arms. I think it's power outage. Up in arms. Okay, so Derek, you're locking in with the complaints. Yeah. Nick, you lock it in with power outage. Folks at home, you locked in wherever you are. Here it is, full and redacted. Two words coming at you. Florida man joyriding in an excavator was the likely cause of the neighborhood power outage before ah, Super Bowl. Okay, there we Both go. Both of you guys All walking side. away with a, a point. We got a point at least. Derek will. So I'm uh, up five to four right five now overall. On a high scoring week here in week number four, but let's get to the final one. All the marbles. We're all of the marbles here. So <laughs> this I just don't is, understand uh, how you joyride an excavator. Well, I mean, you can joyride anything. If you more about that, you're just having joy in a ride. I mean, I guess. What was that Colorado story from like two decades ago? Like the death dozer or whatever it was. That guy made a. a, He basically ironed out a a bulldozer and just drove around town. So okay, now that was before the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, Yeah. that was been more protest against the the city government than it was just him joyriding. But hey, you can do you can do some damage. Okay. And you can you can okay. have some fun in an excavator, I would imagine. So, but nonetheless, I digress. Here it is, final round. Derek up five to four here. Let's get to it. Their first word is a blank. So, blank dives to steal a Florida man's blank. Dives. Dives. That's right. So the first word, and it was caught on camera, by the way. It's either a tourist dives, a seagull, or a bald eagle dives to steal a Florida man's blank. Okay, so I'm envisioning it's like a. Uh, here's what I think. I think it's like a a guy's like camera or food of some kind. So I don't think it's tourist. I think it's either bald eagle or seagull. Seagull, I think, would be the most reasonable, logical answer here. And I don't even know if bald eagles are in Florida. They might not be. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's the state bird. Is it really? No. Eagles are, yeah. No, it's not. A bald eagle? I mean, there's different no, types of No, bald eagle. Though. Yes. Is what, a state what, bird of Florida? Yes. I don't believe you. I, I was just trying to get you to pick no, eagle. No, see, I knew I, it. I, I, <laughs> I knew you were trying to. I'm just, just joking. Yeah, I knew I, you were just messing you with me. You fooled me. I am going seagull. I'm going seagull. It just makes sense. Florida on the beach. Yep. Seagulls yep. are notorious for coming by and stealing yep. your food. Yep. Yep. Uh, you leave a bag of chips open at the beach. So <laughs> that's the obvious answer for me. They are I kind think, of the jerks of the beach. Yeah. They are. I think I'm gonna go with seagull. If you also. go seagull with me, you have, have to, to answer different. the second no, I know, one. Different. I know, I know, I yeah. know. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go with seagull. I mean, I guess you don't. You I can just accept the win or, or me winning. I'm not. I'm except not. I'm not gonna accept anything. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not accepting anything. Okay. Well, considering we are on the last answer and that this one would come down to the next answer, I'll give you this. Both of you were wrong. Uh, it was a bald eagle. That dove down yeah. to steal a Florida man's blank, and let's get to the second one. It was either a Florida man's lunch, a Florida man's shark, or a Florida man's camera. See, what did I say? Shark. It was either camera or food. That's what I said. And I was hey, right. Well, shark either one of those cats. I'm super confused by the shark. Could be a um, catch. Maybe it's either lunch or camera. Or, I guess. I'm telling you, it's either lunch or camera. What do you? Which one are you picking? You either that I'm gonna wait. Box? Pick you. Why? Just be a jerk. No. Um, 
Yeah, okay, I'm gonna, okay, I'm gonna go. I'll go Cameron. Nick's I was gonna say I was gonna go lunch anyway, so that works out. My my immediate gut in the last one was power outage. I didn't go with my gut this time. I will go with my gut. It was food the whole way through, so I'll go lunch. And the house comes away with a nice fool. It was a shark. That's quite literally oh what it said in the headline. Yeah. A bald eagle dives to seal Florida man's shark. It was, uh, I don't think he was intending on catching this for his catch of the day. I think mm-hmm. he was out fishing, trying to get He's like, oh, other... cool, free fish. Oh, and then a as big he gets shark. Closer, oh, no. And a bald eagle came down and unhooked the shark. And wow, it was... unhooked it. Wow. What a I, story. I, I don't That's crazy. Think, yeah, I don't think it was actually on camera as well. It was Whew. kind of intense. I don't think the eagle actually was able to get the shark, take it, and run with it, but... Man. Hey, he unhooked his catch and imagine if you uh, had stole the man's fooled, shark. Imagine if you had fooled me and I would and I had picked Bald Eagle because you said, Oh, it's the state bird of Florida. <laughs> Dude, imagine if I would picked it because of that. You were what, lost. What is the Florida State? Now, now I'm now I'm curious. But it's uh, probably gentlemen, like some aquatic bird. Five to four, week four goes to Derek. Congratulations. One up in aggregate points as we say so long to 2022. So mm-hmm. long again, everybody. Uh, the Florida State bird is the mocking bird. <laughs> the mo- <laughs> Who's That's mocking you because you lost? <laughs> oh, mocking you because you thought it was a bald eagle. That's, that's I didn't think hilarious. it. I fooled you. Almost. That's hilarious. All right, boys, and all the <laughs> listeners out there, happy 2022. Safe uh, New Year's Eve holiday and celebrations hey, to you 2023. and your family. We will be back next week with Florida Man Madly. 2023, clean slate. I'm, I'm never losing again. There we go. He's Nick Springer. Yeah, that's a guarantee. If I beat him the first week, he has to do something. I don't know. <laughs> I'm Derek Johnson with Nick Springer, Sam Speck in studio. That was Florida Man Mad Libs. This is RCST. RCST Replay, next.